0: I'm a Ranger, a New Belgium beer ranger. You can't see my uniform because we're on the radio, but you can bet I'm wearing it with pride. Wandering the land from coast to coast, bringing good beer to the masses, while I can develop quite a thirst. Now we've crafted a beer with Simcoe, Chinook, and Cascade hops, the Ranger IPA. So bold and refreshing it can satisfy a ranger's thirst. Try a new Ranger IPA, and then head online to get in uniform at NewBelgium.com. Employee-owned, alternatively empowered, New Belgium Brewing. Follow your folly. Ours is beer. We got Rangers in position, cause we got a great admission. For yourself and IPA, sit back and just listen. Turbine spinning with recycled energy. Low water use, cause waste is the enemy.
1: With additional support from Kuat Racks
0: and Patagonia.
1: This is The Shorts, and you're listening to The Dirtbag Diaries.
0: So, how was it? This seemingly simple question comes from truly curious friends, maybe the not-so-curious-but-polite friends, work colleagues, and acquaintances. Yet, after returning from far-flung kayaking expeditions, backcountry ski epics, or an extended travel abroad this question does not have a simple answer. And the longer and better the adventure was, the more difficult to answer. I remember returning from my first significant trip abroad, five weeks kayaking in Ecuador. Friends would casually ask in passing, how was the trip? At first, I tried to recount every amazing detail of my travels, only to watch my unsuspecting friends' eyes quickly gloss over in boredom. Realizing people ask as a matter of custom not because they necessarily care about the details of buying a bus ticket to Guayaquil, I switched my approach. I answered, It was great! Or so amazing! Or, The water was fabulous, I can't wait to go back! But these responses felt like I was shortchanging my trip, my memories, my friends, and even myself. I needed to find the moment. That moment that captures the feeling, the scenery, even the smell on the street the one to share with my friends and revel in recapturing my experience. But finding that moment is not always obvious. Some friends and I have made a winter tradition of spending a week skiing in a backcountry lodge in the Kootenai Mountains of British Columbia. These lodges are accessed by a helicopter and located just below treeline for easy access to the alpine terrain or long tree runs below if it's storming. While you can book these trips guided and catered, we prefer the do-it-yourself style and typically work as hard at eating well as skiing hard. A sling load carried below the helicopter brings us our 600 pounds of gear, not counting our day packs and skis. For our group that meant 12 cases of beer, two cases of wine, an assortment of hard liquor, and being from Seattle, six pounds of coffee. Each time I returned from these trips, it took a few questions before I found the right experience to retell. It was really good. I wish I was still there, I told my neighbor. So much fun, it made me want to move back to the mountains, I explained to my barista. My words lagged as I clawed back at the memories already tucked away in my post-trip mind. Then, over a phone call to a friend, it just came out. I missed the pea tree. Awkward pause. Between giggles of humor and the uncomfortable feeling that she was now asking about my bodily excretions, I explained. At Valhalla Mountain Lodge, the cabin is somewhat rustic. Sure, we had comforts of a propane stove kerosene lanterns, fluffy down comforters, and running water from clear alpine lakes. The place is small enough that you can stoke the fire and wear t-shirts and flip-flops, and there's a sauna to help your tired muscles get ready for another day of incredible ski touring. But we also had to chop wood, forego showering, use a detached outhouse, and go to the tree a spot far enough from the cabin, but not too far, that is dedicated to, well, peeing. Ten people, plus all the liquid libations we brought, equals an exponential number of laps to the petri. Since we were earning our turns, most people made more laps to the petri than they did skiing. And many of these laps occurred in the middle of the night after losing the long battle of convincing yourself that you really might not have to get out from under that cozy down blanket if you could just fade back to sleep. But once committed to throwing on a down jacket and finding my headlamp, Those nightly visits to the tree were always worth their trouble. During these midnight visits, I hoped for a sighting of the northern lights, but instead saw a sky so full of stars that a headlamp was barely necessary. With full moonlight, you could make out the textures of the snow on the massive Mount Woden. Other nights, fat kootenai powder flakes flurried, and I struggled to fall back asleep with the anticipation of more bottomless turns down Powder Alley. Still, the best part of the Midnight Pea Missions was the absolute silence that only comes from being outside, in the middle of nowhere, in the dead of winter. The Canadian Rockies are cold, instant nose hair freezing cold, snow squeaking cold, gravity-fed water line freezing cold. After four days of negative 30 Celsius, our water supply slowed to a trickle. Fetching water is one of those primal chores we take for granted every time we use a faucet. At the Icefall Lodge, the secondary water source meant a hike out the back door and down into the ice cave. It also meant carrying two five-gallon buckets hooked to a yoke. Jeremy has bounds of energy, and I always like hut chores so we volunteered to break trail down to the ice cave. The ice cave is a place you might never visit at Icefall. The skin track passes just above the small cavern with snowy pillows almost filling it in, but skier's sights are set on the immense alpine terrain perched just above the hut. At the end of the day, the warmth of the cabin beckons. Each pass by the ice cave entices one in for a peek, but it was ultimately the frozen pipes that forced us to explore. No one had been down to the ice cave in the last couple storm cycles. After trudging through thigh-deep snow, we were rewarded for our efforts. A frozen mix of rock, snow, and water awaited. Ice hung from every surface and then slowly dripped into the creek. Only a few hundred feet from the comforts of the cabin, this simple chore reminded us of the remoteness of icefall. We took a few pictures and then got to work. We dipped each bucket into the unfrozen pockets of the stream flowing through the cave and loaded the yoke. It took about four steps to realize the effort needed to get this relatively small amount of water back up the hill to the cabin. Post-holing up the trail and taking turns with 80 pounds of water slung across our shoulders made a simple glass of water taste that much sweeter. Living in a wilderness setting means novel chores absent from my daily life. Filling snow into the trenches surrounding the pea tree, chopping wood, shoveling snow, fetching water. Simple, but essential. It's the rhythm of life that forms in places like this. Wake up, visit the pea tree, make food, ski, fetch water, make more food, stoke the fire, sleep, wake in the middle of the night to go to the pea tree fall back asleep, then repeat. This rhythm, absent from checking emails, returning phone calls, or waking to the preset alarm rather than the sun rising, separates this kind of adventure from my daily routine. And it's this rhythm that is difficult to sum up to a curious question about my vacation, or even to recall in my own memory. Sure, we had bottomless snow with bluebird skies. The Kootenai Rockies is our backdrop, and the solitude of having hundreds of acres to ourselves. We skied runs from the high alpine all the way down to the bottom of the valley for eight straight days, plus a full moon run. These trips were so perfect that we have our reservation set for next year. But it's the ice cave and the pea tree that encompass spending a week in a backcountry lodge with close friends. It's not the however many thousand feet of untracked powder we skied, or the mountains climbed, that matter to me. It's settling into the work essential for survival in the wilderness that replaces the work back home that we consider necessary. Deadlines and meetings that seem so important in the moment do not compare to the needs of heating the cabin or filling a bucket of water. On these trips, I'm able to recognize the hierarchy of needs and values. That is why I latch on to these memories and choose to share them. So, when the next person asks about my hut trip, I just think about the pea tree, and all the memories come flooding back. It's this unique little memory that will take me back, year after year, to the same little spot tucked in the trees just a few paces southeast of the front door. My name is Shane Robinson, and this is my short.
1: Ski season's not quite done here yet, but Bex and I are already looking forward to next year's hut trip with Shane. Music today by Beach Fossil's Chiquita Valenta and the sound of 73. You can download the tracks from our website and find out more information about the artists at DirtBagDiaries.com. The shorts are made possible by New Belgium Brewing. They're gearing up for their second tour, their second year of the Clips of Faith film tour. And they're looking for films from you. Films can be 10 seconds to 10 minutes long about anything in any genre. You'll get bonus credit if you include New Belgium Follies, craft beer, sustainability, or whimsy. So pull out those cameras and start filming. Go to ClipToFaith.com to check out last year's film and submit your entry for 2011. Support for the show also comes from Kuat Racks, makers of a better bike rack. Check them out online at KuatRacks.com. Additional support comes from Patagonia. I'm Fitzgahal, that was Shane Robinson, and you've been listening to the Dirtbag Diaries.